0: Hello and welcome to episode 19 of the Codec Call, the CodecMoments.com podcast. Uh, it's me, Andy Brown, at Clint Galandi on Twitter and
1: Matt Holt at Codec Moments on Twitter. Good evening. Evening. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm all right. We're, we're
0: actually in different rooms for once. Is it worth mentioning?
1: It definitely is because it's a little bit weird. Because I'm just staring at a microphone in front of me, um, and we haven't recorded a podcast like this for quite a while.
0: It's been a long time, so um, we're giving it a go, uh, hence we can, because, um, you know, we've both got ridiculous commitments going on in our lives, how unreasonable of us, um, so it means that we might be able to get out a podcast more than once a month. Yay! Yay!
1: Which, this one is now mid-month, so, you know, it's working already.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so it's the 16th of February as we sit here recording this, and... um hopefully we can um, we can be a bit more spontaneous. That's good, isn't it? Yay! Alright, that's the introductions done. Uh, coming up in today's podcast, we're going to be um, having a look at what we've been playing, some news, and also we're going to be discussing the Hitman beta later
1: on. Um, you played a little bit of that, Matt? Just a little bit, over the weekend. Just a little bit. And after the weekend as well.
0: <laughs> so, that's coming up later. Until then... OK, Matt, so in the last episode, uh, we were talking about
1: all sorts of things. Actually, we were talking about tons Um the main I suppose the main thing was actually we got into with a racing driver.
0: Yes, we did. We talked to Christy Doran, who um, is a racing driver who used project cars to get her eye in on tracks that she's not actually raced in real life before. Uh, work out our breaking points and um, and learn other things. Uh, and it led us on to a discussion about VR and what's going to get, what's going to make VR successful and get it in our homes and, and businesses. Um, so did we have any feedback on this?
1: We did. We got quite a bit, actually, via Twitter. Um, first thing that came in was from Dave Zeno, um, at Dave Zeno on Twitter, um, and he was saying, well, basically, is that VR a gimmick? And um, he was saying, no, it isn't. But to get the most of it, out of it, you have to spend a fortune. And I think that's obviously a reference back to um, the pricing list that we're seeing for the stuff that's coming over the next few months. Uh, as of yet, we're still missing a number of major players' devices and prices. Um, but we're safe to say it's not going to be cheap, is it? But he did compare it back to the 3D, because we started having that discussion about movies and whether they were basically going to lose the 3D to VR capability. Um but it was an interesting one because he was effectively saying if it takes off, he thinks 3D is dead. He thinks that's that's it. It's one technology against another. VR will work, 3D won't. Um now it's something I'd not actually considered. You've got these two competing entities. I just assumed they would coexist as it were because 3D seems a little more suited to cinema. I can't really see everybody sat in the cinema wearing a headset VR, but you just don't know which way it's going to go. Um, it did point out Connect has a niche market, um, or has had a niche market. In fairness, I think, is it fair to say Connect's dead?
0: Is Connect dead? Oh,
1: it's
0: it's not really bundled with the Xbox anymore. They've disconnected a lot of the functionality that it did have.
1: Um, yeah. You, Arguably, yeah, probably. So yeah, I, I mean I same view. As soon as they took out the um auto requirement within the Xbox one, you you realised there was really nothing for that piece of hardware anymore. Um but yeah, you know. I mean they've just gone they've
0: just removed all the um uh so all the kind of a lot of the interactivity, so the swiping and the moving things around, that's that's all gone now in, in one of the more recent uh firmware updates. Um the voice commands are still there, but you know, that's that's a fraction of the functionality that they, they originally envisaged Kinect to have, and
1: it's just because so few people were using it. Very true. From a gaming perspective, and with the actual Xbox console, but he does make a good point, it's used elsewhere. The cameras, the audio technology, the tracking, it's got wider applications. And it's is the point is, if that can happen, then VR and HoloLens could potentially happen as well. That they don't have to have a video game, um, a video game application. It could be what we discussed last time: teaching, training, education, all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, I think Hololens is is looking really interesting. So it's, it's kind of um, a combination between VR and augmented reality, isn't it? It
1: is, and it and it looks like it's closer um, to being mass market market than maybe VR is. the The other thing that was
0: uh, I was thinking about this week was uh, the question that you posed in the podcast was how are people who aren't able to see what's going on in in the headset going to be able to interact and it got me thinking about have you seen recently the um the kind of the 360
1: degree videos that have started appearing on youtube and facebook they've been there for uh, for quite a while now but i don't think they're widely advertised
0: well, I I just can't. I saw one the other day, and it it got me thinking about that point. Is that something that could perhaps be done? Somebody with a tablet or a phone could be connected to a console using a companion app and able to actually move around and see what's going on in the game world by physically moving themselves with their their device as a as a window into that world.
1: Yeah, that would make an interesting way of um, of joining in, of sharing the experience without actually being in it.
0: I do just have an image of several people <laughs> stood in a living room, all slowly spiralling around with an iPad or <laughs> headset on, <laughs> just just a descent into madness.
1: Yeah, it would look a bit weird from the outside. <laughs> it would look bonkers, very funny. But but it is a way um, of engaging people, that that, that entire uh, thing. There's a, there's something in that in it. Taking away, not taking away, but adding to the interactive experience. So it's not just the person playing who's experiencing it. You've got ways other people can take part without being forced to just look down that person's view. Yeah, and without being forced to shell out, you know, 700 quid for to indulge in it as well. Yeah, yeah, use what you've got to hand. All right,
0: that's... Um... More more food for thought, then. If uh, if anybody else has anything to say on that, then feel free to tweet us at CodecMoments, or you can even drop us an email, contact-us at CodecMoments.com. Was there, there anything more on that?
1: No, just thanks to Dave Zeno for uh, tweeting us whilst he was listening and giving us his thoughts. Yeah, that's brilliant.
0: Thank you. Right, Um. so the other thing that we had, you rather flippantly at the end of the podcast uh, said... Somebody, um, somebody should send us a message in Morse code.
1: Yes, yeah. Did think... you, did you think anybody would? No, of course not. We've we've asked people to skywrite stuff and send us things in semaphore. They've never done that, so I didn't expect the Morse code. No. So,
0: um, so within five hours of the podcast going live, um, I'd received a Morse code message at my desk. <laughs> yes, <laughs> from at um, Mike Tack Films from Mike Tack who um who was lucky enough to win the code at momentum prize last month as well so um in I, I guess in a fit of joy from discovering that he went out and sent us a, a morse code message now the original message that he sent us which, was 6 minutes long
1: yes which in, in fairness um, it took 2 days to decipher as well it might have taken him so five hours to listen to our podcast days. and create the message. It took two days to figure out what it said.
0: Um, so you'll hear it playing in the background. I um, I have stripped the silence out of it to make it sound like the kind of Morse code that you, you might have in Independence Day. And, um, oh, so you've speeded it up. it's still two minutes long. No, no, I haven't sped it up. I've, um,
1: I've no, stripped no, no. all the you've pauses No, 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 you've speeded out. it up.
0: I haven't sped it up. It's the same speed. I've just stripped the silence. <laughs> So, uh, thanks to Mike Tack for sending us a Morse code message. And it read, reads, rather, and it reads, um, Hi Andy and Matthew, VR will need to offer experiences as well as games such as virtual tourist or IMAX type of experiences to be more than a gadget junked within its year of release. Cheers, Mike Tack.
1: How good's that? That was brilliant. I really appreciate that. Thanks to going to the effort of sending it to us and giving us a problem to solve as well.
0: Yeah, so I want more Morse code messages. <laughs> I'm sure
1: <laughs> there'll be plenty of people out there who could send us some more um, and it won't take two days to decipher the next time around.
0: Brilliant. Right, so uh, if you want to send us a message in Morse code, please do. I really want to make it a regular feature. Right. Um, Is that is that everything from the last episode? It is. That's where we're caught up. Right. Fabulous. Let's move on. Right, so Matt, what have you been playing in the past two weeks?
1: A few different things. Uh, One of them we've already hinted at, Hitman Beta, and we're going to come to that shortly, so I won't talk about that one. Uh, But mainly this month it's been Firewatch. That's the new
0: first-person I don't know, adventure game? A mystery game from uh, Campo Santo?
1: Yeah, some would call Walking Simulator. I think that's a really unfair phrase, though, because it's it's not at all. Um, it is first-person storytelling game, I think is about the closest it comes. It's a, an unhurried, non-taxing, but nicely put-together way of... Making you experience, I don't know what it, you know, it's actually quite hard to say without it sounding really cheesy and weak. Um, <laughs> it, it, it is, it's really tough because it is, um, an emotional game, it's a game designed to have an emotional impact on you by experiencing something hopefully you will never really truly experience. Um, and it is, it's excellent, it's a really good game. Um, it's tough to talk about without ruining anything.
0: It's divided opinion, hasn't it? I know um I read uh, that our very own Seven Scott had um had played through the beginning and, and felt certainly that the, the introduction didn't have that much impact for him, whereas I know you felt the
1: opposite. Oh the um the introduction, the first I think it's maybe five minutes, most of it's text based. Um it even had um even had a girlfriend who was watching it gasping um just with the thought of what was coming up. Um and what it explained and what it told you and the situation it put you in it was uh it was quite affecting um'm probably the opposite of Sev um I found the beginning more impactful than the end and the actual outcome of the story
0: and speaking of the end uh, now we um we were lucky enough to get review copies of the p s four version and the pc version we were so there's a special feature in the pc version where um it's it's not spoiling anything to so say you find a uh, the game's set in the 1980s and you you find a disposable camera with a few shots left on it right
1: uh, yeah there's um a number of photos you uh, available i think i think it's about 18 pictures you can take
0: you can take these photos and then at the end of the game they they scroll over the credits or the,
1: the photos are, are displayed over the credits, yeah, right? Yeah, so there's all the pictures that you've taken during the game crop up at the end. Um, if you're on Steam, it then adds an option to the menu of the main game. So If you click, it takes you to a website where you can order your prints as a proper <laughs> throwback to um, before digital cameras were the norm and everything um, was on touchscreens in front of you, where you actually got photographic prints from a reel of film. And very and they nice. today. <laughs> very nicely. We asked uh, Nick Case if he wouldn't mind getting those because he, he tried out the Steam version for us. And they arrived and he's put up a photo album in Google+. Plus. Um, We will send a link to that so everybody can uh, have a look. We'll keep that in the text for the podcast. Be aware it does contain some spoilers. There are some things in the photograph which you might not want to see Um, But if you don't care about those, go and have a look, because the packaging and the way it's done is absolutely brilliant. It's brilliant. It's just so reminiscent.
0: It's actual, you know, photograph-developing packaging from the 80s. It's awesome. Um, Yeah, but it it does give a few things away when you receive the pack. Obviously, by that time, in the real world, you'd have played through the game because you couldn't order them otherwise. But, um, yeah, but the shots taken by the previous owner of the camera apparently turn up in your your envelope as well yeah
1: it's no it's it's an excellent touch it's one of the nicest things i've seen done um as an extra in a video game and the fact that they got it to him within seven days was it and they've come from the u.s i think that's pretty good now we
0: we were lucky we um we were subsidized for review but it's what is it 15 dollars about a tenner yeah, yeah, I think that's what it is. is. Is it worth that? If you've already Nick Nick made the point that he's paid a lot more money for so called collectors editions of games that really didn't have anything, you know, as good as that. But by that time you've played the game already, you finished it.
1: I uh, I think it depends on how the game's affected you. Had I had the choice on PS four, I might have done the same. I might have bought them. Because I did take some really nice shots. Um they they just um when the game shows you them, they do look really good. Oh cool, cool.
0: Right, so that's um that's Firewatch. Uh what else have you been playing?
1: I have continued playing Sebastian Loeb Rally Evo. <laughs> I've been working through that. Um I will get a review out for that this week. I'm hoping to write that one tomorrow. Um suffice to say, it's it's decent enough. The presentation is good. I just I hate driving rally cars that don't like going around corners. That's that's my biggest gripe. That and the strange accents that they put in for Sebastian, they are very weird. What? Is that not is that not just Sebastian's accent? <laughs> no, there is some there are some bits where you take part in Sebastian Loeb's events and. You've got an announcer who talks you through the different game modes and tells you what's going on. And he introduces Sebastian's events at one point and says, and here we've got a few words for the man himself. And on comes somebody who does an appalling French accent and talks at you for five minutes pretending to be Sebastian Lowe. Despite the fact you've already, to get to this (laughs) stage, watched videos of the man himself talking. And know full well, it's (laughs) not him it's crazy <laughs> and it's really the immersion destroy well actually no you're not really immersed in th- at this point i can't say it's destroying for that but it is just laughable and i've tried to go back and play it again so that i could record it and put it in the review but i can't find it there's there's no option to replay it that i can see so i might actually have to start the so, game again on a different profile and just do it just stick it on youtube because it's stupid what what's he saying Oh, was just talking you through um how you've got to earn the points and rise up the ranks and get your chance to drive um the Pike's Peak in a special car. That that's it. There's nothing nothing strange about it. It makes sense in the context of the game. It's just the way it's said and the accent. It's awful. Um and um trying to pass it off as him, or at least that's the way I took it, it'll probably be completely different when I listen to it again. But it's just crazy.
0: Hold on, mate, sorry, there's someone at the door. Let me let me just get that. Oh my God! It's Sebastian Loeb. It isn't. Hello, bonjour, Matthew. How are you? I'm I am good. Sebastian Loeb. I am the greatest rally driver in France.
1: Wait, you know what? I I can't believe the man himself has turned up. That's just throwing me for six, is that? I wish I could see him. Are we? What's the perfect car setup to eliminate understeer? Well, Matthew, I appreciate that you would not know
0: the answer to this question because you are a terrible rally driver as has been evidenced in the comments section of codecmoments.com, or as we say in France, le moment, codec. I don't think he knows the answer. Oh, Sebastian, I feel let down. <laughs> you should stiffen your suspension and use a little bit more wing. <laughs>
1: I'll give it a try and see what that does. Well, thank thank you very much, Sebastian. Uh, no problem. Yes, thank you. Goodbye, Sebastian. So yeah, basically that was more convincing than the game. Yes. <laughs> okay. So yeah, Anything let's else? just leave Sebastian there. We'll move on. And <laughs> the other thing I've been playing this month, um, and you'll appreciate this as well, Battlefront. Yes, I will appreciate that. I um.
0: So Battlefront, there's an EA sale on the PlayStation Store. Um, and I picked up Battlefront for half price, which um seemed quite reasonable.
1: It's um, a good price, is that?
0: Mm. So I jumped in, and
1: we were going to have a game on Saturday night? We were. We were How gonna long broadcast. was it before
0: we got squatted up?
1: Yeah, we were going <laughs> to broadcast on Saturday night. Um, oh, yeah, we were going we to stream it. In fact, because I haven't been to YouTube and deleted it, you can see the absolutely appalling matchmaking, squatting mechanics as we get drastically frustrated <laughs> and have to reset the consoles to fix it. Um. Yeah. Shut the game down and start again. But
0: uh, to be fair to it, once um once we got in, it was actually it was pretty stable and it was uh, it was good.
1: Oh no! It was yeah. We've been overly critical because we we've been saying for a while now we were gonna um do more broadcasting um and we finally got a night where we were able to do that and for ten minutes we just couldn't get anything going. Um, we couldn't join <laughs> each other as squads. It was awful. When we got past that. We were in there for three, three and a half hours, um, and had loads of games, and lots of fun. Because I really, really enjoy Battlefront. It's great in small doses. Um, I think I'd get bored if I played it ten hours a day, every day, like some of the people we were up against. But it, it, it is great fun.
0: Yeah, it was brilliant. It was. Um, it still got that proper Star Wars hit from it. It was just what I wanted, and um, the Walker Assault. Seemed a lot more balanced. I think there's a one round where we um, we actually playing won. as the rebels actually managed to take down the walkers with with
1: pretty much just small arms fire and um and good objective play. It was it was awesome. Yeah, yeah the teamwork and it um, it promotes that kind of play so that you do end up working together. and everybody's going for the same thing and and yeah, it it was a lot of fun. It was a good um it was a good session in it. It's just a shame we had that bad experience to begin with, but that was quickly forgotten in fairness.
0: All right, so um that's pretty much what we've been playing. Up on the site, we've got a review of Firewatch. We've also got a review of Lego Marvel's Avengers. Um anything
1: else? Uh the Sebastian Love review will be up soon and I believe have we got a preview of Action Hank? Yes, we have. Uh, I've had a I've been playing Action Hank, so um that will go on as well. And oh, just um, just to chuck in, um, I've been playing the following, the Dying Light DLC, um, so we'll have a review of that coming fairly soon, and more on that in the next podcast.
0: Yes, and Earth Defense Force Two and Earth Defense Force Four Point One, we've got those stacked up as well. Yeah, I know how much you love those games. I do. I really do. <laughs> They would have been played already if life wasn't getting in the way massively, but yeah, no, they are, they're, they're racked up. Right. Okay. Uh, shall we move on them? Yes. Hit it. WTF. What's that, fellas? Okay. So it's that section. It's our, uh, it's, it's news articles and things that have kind of made us double take. Um, the first one is one that I spotted the other week as a parent, I'm. I'm always interested by articles about um, about companies uh, that aim stuff at kids. And it's VTech. So they make a lot of um, electronic toys and kids' laptops and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, I'm interested um, to see what this is about. Because whilst I, I don't have children yet, there may be one due in about eight weeks' time. Well, there's been calls by cybersecurity experts um,
0: for parents to boycott the company. And often when I see things like this, I kind of... Uh, Especially with parents, uh, things tend to be a bit knee-jerk. So I, I went into this one, you know, ready to give it a pinch of salt and, and with an open mind. Yeah. Um, but then when you see cyber security experts saying parents should boycott something, that adds a little bit of weight to it.
1: Yeah, I can understand that.
0: So it turns out that VTech had a massive security breach last year. So more than 6.3 million children's accounts uh, were affected. And it gave How the perpetrator many? of the breach access to photos and chat logs for kids.
1: Just repeat that number again. How many accounts? Six six point three million children's accounts. Okay. And this hasn't been necessarily the biggest reported news story in the last week or so.
0: No, no, it's it's a I mean the the hack was a while ago, but it's their response to the hack.
1: I'm. I'm just thinking back to the last massive hack. I remember the PlayStation Network. That seemed to be all over the news for weeks, and no details were really stolen from that.
0: Now, well, VTech said it's not just 6.3 million children's accounts. It's also 4.9 million parents' accounts.
1: So we're talking 11 over 11 million accounts. Yeah, and
0: over 11 million accounts have potentially been breached. Uh, So you'd think they'd be taking security a lot more seriously. I'd expect more coverage of it. No, what they've done instead is they've changed their terms and conditions. Um, And basically, now they've made it the parent's
1: responsibility if VTech get hacked. Oh, because that's the logical person who's responsible for securely holding data.
0: Yeah, they pushed pushed out a firmware update which basically said... um, you acknowledge and agree that any information you send or receive during your use of the site may not be secure and may be intercepted or later acquired by unauthorised parties. Oh my God.
1: Now, I'm, I might just come in a slightly different angle <laughs> yeah. on this one. That doesn't sound totally ridiculous if you were a new It's that, it's that line though.
0: It's... It's the line you acknowledge and agree that any information you send or receive during your use of the site may not be secure and may be intercepted or later acquired by unauthorized parties. It just seems to put the onus on somebody else.
1: Do you know what I mean? Like, well, we're not—we're not, we're not going to bother doing. No, I—I I, I know because we've just—we've just told everyone. I know. Wait, I know where you're coming from with it, but I'm—I'm I'm currently racking my brains because there are other things. These, um, like free Wi-Fi providers and. Um, places like that will I get that s- I, do you s- know I totally get you that could get your information um hijacked effectively google do it when going via certain uh, pages even if they are completely secure it does happen and I I kind of understand where they're coming from it doesn't sound very good and it doesn't seem very good in response to what's happened but I kind of understand the update
0: I think I think that's the difference though. If you look at, you know, when you're logging onto a free Wi-Fi system, there's that, you know, the inherent risk benefit which anybody should take into account. That's fair enough. When you buy an electronic consumer product aimed at children, do you really think that's an acceptable
1: response? It's No, it, uh, I I'm I'm a little bit with them in the it is the parents responsibility for what gets put online and that's why i do understand where they're coming from i think uh, i think coming
0: coming from an industry that uh, you know i work in an industry that's very very heavily focused on data protection and and security um and if we have a breach the onus is on us you know, we don't turn around to patients and go, "Well, it's you know, it's your own fault really no, for having medical no, records,
1: it's isn't it?" N- no, no, no. From the the terms and conditions, I'm I'm not hearing that from from what you're explaining. the The issue of a breach, data being taken, that firmly does sit with VTEC. That's not the owner's responsibility, but the recognition that those things can happen in an online environment. It's making people who purchase aware and that the company will not be held liable for the content that they put on there.
0: Okay. All right. I'll give you that one. Um, I, I,
1: I completely agree with you. The company should be making as much effort as possible to keep personal data secure. But if it does get breached, which is highly likely we hear about these things nearly every week, then... They're asking that the consumers take some effort to be careful on what they do. Yeah, I mean the whole the whole situation sounds a little bit dodgy. The um what I think what
0: they described as a sophisticated attack was little more than the brute force. Do you know what I mean? It, yeah. It's not it's not been a particularly complicated attack. I just think the whole thing's a little bit deceitful. A little bit underhand.
1: Oh, it it doesn't And I think
0: I think we need to I think we need to acknowledge in this day and age that, you know, with consumer devices, people don't always read all of the information. I think that creators of devices and systems need to hold themselves to a higher standard.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And and who does fully read terms and conditions? I usually get about halfway through before thinking yeah, he's pretty much like every other one. Yeah. <laughs> and and that's what mo- most of us do. um, And we should pay more attention. There's no way around that. And these things, I think you're right, it's an interesting one, these things are probably going to become more common and um, this is likely to attract a lot of criticism because it's children's toys but the same can be said of any electronic device that we buy. I mean, um, both of us are sat looking at show notes on tablets Mm. and listening to phones vibrating on desks and all sorts. There's a big issue with zero accountability clauses. Um, You
0: know, they're just, they're not, fit for purpose if if hacks will happen and this is something that we need to to accept and and i think just passing the responsibility to somebody else you know it'd be like it'd be like saying well you know the steering wheel could fall off your car but if if it does then that's all on you because you you signed a document that ford said it might happen it wouldn't be acceptable in that circumstance so why is it acceptable now
1: here It'd be interesting to see where it goes from this, and if it really does have any impact on other manufacturers of any product.
0: Yeah, I feel I feel we're building towards a test case at some point. Yeah, yeah. So that's that caught my eye, and it got my eye as a as a parent who thankfully doesn't have any web connected VTech devices, <laughs> <laughs> and won't be buying any either, and certainly won't be getting any anytime soon. Um, what else? Technology? Oh, so. Um, Right, so Retro Computers, the company that recently um, released an updated version of the Sinclair ZX Spectrum, um, the Vega, have released the handheld Vega Plus. Or not released? Sorry, they've um, they've put it on Kickstarter. Indi- no, they haven't even done that. They've um, they've started an Indiegogo campaign for the uh, the Sinclair ZX Spectrum Vega Plus. It's a handheld ZX console.
1: What what do you reckon? I had a ZX Spectrum when I was eight. Uh, My brother did, yeah. Yeah, I loved it when I it was, was brilliant. eight. Yeah, <laughs> and thirty years later, um, whilst I appreciate that there's um, a need for keeping gaming history alive, I am not at all interested in a handheld ZX Spectrum, and not a hundred quid a unit either.
0: I. I just think if I if I paid 100 quid plus shipping for a handheld Sinclair ZX Spectrum, I would just be massively disappointed at the fact that a Sinclair ZX Spectrum game probably wasn't as good as I imagined it was when I was younger.
1: No, that, that that's it. Once they're in your memory and they're nostalgic, uh, they, they were fantastic. They would be absolutely crushed looking and playing at any of
0: them now so if you do want to back it we'll uh, we will put the link on the site i mean it's already hit i think it's been up for about a day and it's hit 72 percent of its hundred thousand pound goal oh, so by the time we get this out it will probably be fully funded yeah so with a month left it's I, I would say it's easily going to be fully funded um if that's your kind of thing it looks also i mean it looks like a beautiful piece of equipment it really does but um yeah, I just... I'm not I'm not a retro gamer, if I'm honest. I, when I have been back and tried stuff, I just kind of thought, oh yeah, there's a reason why I like
1: Grand Theft Auto Five. Well, when you're talking of open world games and the quality that we get now, what about Fallout 4? Oh, nice segue, Matthew. No, it's a great crap. Um, <laughs> there's been an announcement from Bethesda today on Fallout 4 and some details of the season pass, which you were able to buy at launch last november but without any idea what you were getting into and they finally told us what's going on so did you buy into that i didn't but i will because the first piece of news is that the season pass is going to go from 24.99 to 39.99 on the 1st of march well wow, that's quite a leap it is it's a jump and it's because they basically said we're giving you more than we originally thought so we're going to charge you more but coincidentally, they are giving us two weeks before they put the price up. And this, this stinks of what Techland did with Dying Light when they said, oh, we're going to up the DLC price and the season pass price, price because of the following. And they saw an increased take-up. And I wonder if Bethesda are doing the same.
0: Well, it, it's working because I bought the Dying Light season pass
1: and, and I did just buy the Fallout 4 season pass today. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be going to buy the Fallout Four season pass as well because I like the sound <laughs> of the content that we know about. Um, so yeah, it does feel a little bit cheap as if they're trying to push some sales. But I think there's a lot of credibility behind Bethesda and people know they're going to deliver it. So I, it's not a it's not a total cash grab. It's just you know means to an end. Um, but the three bits of content that we know about, there are going to be five pieces in the season pass, but they're keeping too quiet at the moment the first two are yeah customization things um I'm, I'm not entirely sure about them one of them's got, one of them's called wasteland workshop um, which it sounds like it's creature collecting Very it, it sounds like it
0: gives you the ability to build traps and capture things and then basically I don't know. It
1: it sounds like you can get death claws to fight raiders and stuff, which could be interesting. It, it could be. It could be interesting. I know there's a couple of YouTube videos kicking around There's something like a thousand death claws fighting a thousand brotherhood of steel. You know, people have done some modding in the PC version. Um yeah. so uh, yeah, that might be quite interesting. Um there's something called Automatron um, which is about um, a character called the Mechanist who's um, unleashed evil robots into the Commonwealth, which I think will be belting if they are all like Bender from Future Armour. <laughs> by my shiny medal. Yeah, somebody's got to mod that. That would be excellent if they do that. Um, so it basically looks like you can <laughs> you can basically create your own robot companions from them by collecting uh, the parts and the items and, and following obviously a bit of a quest line. Um, so both those packs will be available on their own. The um, Automa- Automatron will Automatron, Automatron, um, be £7.99, and it's out in March. Waste on Workshop is going to be 3 99 That's out in April. And the big one of the one that's been announced is one called Far Harbour, coming in May for 20 quid, And that is a full-on expansion in an entirely new island off the coast. And it's looking like you're going to team back up with Valentine. Um, for a detective story, and just from a screenshot, it was something that um, Roger um, at Afrogear on Twitter mentioned earlier today. He says it looks a lot like Point Lookout, which was probably one of the better DLCs from Fallout Three. Um, so if it's along those lines, it'll be cracking.
0: Well, it sounds. It looks. It looks really pretty.
1: Um, the
0: shots they've released. Um, it does sound interesting, but I, I do now want. A DLC where you play as a deranged Mr Handy who's just out to
1: kill all the humans. <laughs> yeah, that, that would have to be quite fun. Um, there are two more packs coming at some point during the year. They haven't said what they are yet. They haven't told us. Hopefully, at least one of them will be another bulky expansion. I kind of want something on the lines of Mothership Zeta because that was one of my favourite ones from Fallout 3. Um they have also mentioned as well, for all the DLCs, they are beta testing them. And you can sign up over at Bethesda.net if you want to take part in that. If you're lucky, you'll get the DLC for free. Um, and they have also mentioned they're still working on the creation kits um, that will allow you to create and play mods. And we've always known that that was on PC, that it was coming to Xbox and eventually coming to PS4. So they are still working on that. And an update to the survival mode to make it even more challenging than it is now. Um, So, there's paid content, there's free content. Um, That's why it comes with a little bit of credibility on this one with the season pass going up. Let's just hope it delivers when it finally comes out.
0: Well, if you want to snap it up now before the 1st of March, you can get it for um, about £15 less than it's going to be.
1: Yeah, it's definitely worth doing over the next 10 days.
0: All right, that's good. Okay, should we uh, should we move on then?
1: Yeah, as yeah, soon as we're talking about DLC, that seems like a good time. Okay, so while we're having a discussion
0: about DLC today on Facebook, uh, Nick Case suggested um, it would be a good discussion topic on the podcast for us to talk about everybody's favourite piece of DLC ever. Um, so, that's what we're
1: doing. That's a great <laughs> suggestion, because... There's an awful lot of it out there. Some of it's cheap, some of it's free, some of it's expensive. Um some of it we some buy of it's horse armor and they never actually play at all. And it's a good one. It's a good one to go with. Right, so I what's what's your what's yours then, Doctor? My favorite DLC. Now I put something on Twitter earlier on what my favorite DLC was and um mainly mainly probably because it evokes a lot of fun memories. But it was Mr. Torg's campaign of carnage in Borderlands 2. That was good. And it is one of my favourite DLCs purely because of Mr. Torg, because he is insane. <laughs> He's just a steroid-pumped nutcase. um, And he just made me laugh all the way through it. I enjoyed every single encounter with him. It was brilliant. It's good. In the, in the
0: same respect, I think the Borderlands 2 DLC was all very strong. Hammerlock's... Um, big game hunt was good um i think my personal favorite just because i love tiny tina was um tiny tiger's uh, tiny tina's assault on dragon keep
1: yeah that that was good that was really good so, yeah she's
0: a um, cracking character and the 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 integration of um you know the borderlands 2 world and the dungeon and dragons world the role play was just it was brilliant. It was, it was an excellent take on, on both series. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah, It was
1: good. No, no, excellent. So that was mine. It's excellent. I completely agree. So we're, we're both going to say, the Borderlands 2 DLC. Um, so we've got a few other responses.
0: Nick Case himself said that his favourite DLC would probably have to be the two Alan Wake uh, DLCs. They continue the story brilliantly, adding some very nice mechanics and even set up for hopefully an eventual sequel. Um, It's been some years,
1: so um, keep your fingers crossed on that one, eh? I've never played Alan Wake. Well, I I tell a lie. I started playing it because I was testing Gaikai before it closed and got bought out by Sony. Um, So I don't actually know a great deal about Alan Wake. I played a little bit
0: of it on the Xbox. I was never really that enamored with it, I'm afraid to say.
1: It's a bit walk there, point light at this kind of thing. Yeah, and um, I'm guessing those. it looks like Rory Roberts replied to Nick um, that he wasn't overly keen on what they did with the DLC. Um, I think he said they removed the battery branding and my immersion was compromised, naught out of 10. <laughs> and um, around 7 scott um, in fact, he's left a comment. I'm not entirely sure what he's trying to say. I really don't. I have no idea what he's spelt with that first word. Um, I think. I think it might be agreeing. It might not be. It might not be. So you could have to let us know. It just says, Geef, Alan Wake, sequel. (laughs) Is that give? Is that
0: grief? Um,
1: I I don't know. I have no idea.
0: Maybe give, give us. I don't know. Uh, Brandon Hopkinson says, currently my favourite is the following DLC for Dying Light. My all-time favourite, though, um, might have to be the Dragonborn
1: DLC for Skyrim. You've played Skyrim. Did you enjoy that? I Well, I loved Skyrim, and I got all the DLCs. I think I finished Dragonborn. I'm pretty sure I did that one. There was one I didn't get to the end of. um, More well, because I stopped playing and I moved on to something else. But it wasn't... You know, I'm pretty sure I finished the Dragonborn one, but Skyrim was cracking. Um, great game. And the following so far... I'm a bit mixed. I I like it. I love the scope of it. I was a bit put out by the way um, it started and leaving me with no weapons and, and forcing me to get killed. Lots and loads, loads of experience points. I wasn't happy with that. Can't lie. Um, is it too hard? It, it was. It was obscenely hard when you've got no weapons and people have guns. <laughs> Um, okay, Roger Haven's uh,
0: our very own Roger says, "Point Lookout," which is the um, the far, not Far Cry, Fallout Three uh, DLC you mentioned briefly earlier. He says the dark swampy setting, the intriguing Chinese spy mystery, everything worked together so well. For yeah,
1: me. yeah, well, it is good. Is that? And you you accidentally said Far Cry, um, but the Herc DLC in Far Cry Three with chasing the monkeys, that that was. Now, that was a pre-order bonus, wasn't it? I suppose it's technically not DLC. But, actually, that was really good. Okie dokie. I've thrown you Just there, try- haven't
0: I? <laughs> Train of thoughts has gone. Um, right, Andrew Epic Aitchison, uh says his favourite DLC, I love the name, is um, the Supra Ultra Dead Rising 3 Arcade Remix Hyper Edition EX Plus Alpha Prime. <laughs> I like that. It's... It's mad. It's like um, it's like Street Fighter meets Dead Rising. It's mental. I've not seen this until recently. I've just seen some videos. It looks absolutely bonkers. I quite want to play it now. <laughs> um, and Jonathan Gibbon says that my favorite DLC, if I can call it that, is the original Counter-Strike version 1.6, which was the mod for Half-Life.
1: Ah, good choice. Good choice there. That's, that's a
0: quite a cerebral answer.
1: It is, isn't it? Hmm. There's a bit
0: too much thinking going on
1: there. Um, who did we get? We did we get? <laughs> who suddenly got shot to the top of my favourite Twitter names? At Greasy Fish Lips. <laughs> Which is, I'm sorry, but it's better than Shut Up Pabs. Is that one? That's that's my new favourite.
0: <laughs> sorry, Pabs, yeah.
1: At yeah. Greasy Fish Lips, The Ballad of Gay Tony. Which, I I have to confess, I never finished. I, I got the Lost and the Damned DLC and the Ballad of Gay Tony for GTA 4. I finished GTA 4 twice, so it's not like I was um, bored of the game. And the Lost of the Damned depressed me so much that I could never bring myself to finish the Gay Tony story. Even though it was a lot yeah, but of fun. Gay Tony was like the
0: antithesis of Lost in the Dam,
1: wasn't it? It was, and I think I played them the wrong way around. I was just so depressed at the end of Lost and the Damned that I'd lost the whole interest in the game. So
0: um, Seven More is um, clearly the opposite end of the spectrum because he did enjoy Lost in the Damned. He says that's his favourite DLC ever. He did,
1: yeah. And he actually, in fairness, he did say it was for those very reasons that it was um, dark and depressing that he really enjoyed it. <laughs> Ticked all his boxes.
0: Good. We've got another vote for Campaign of Carnage from yeah. uh, Square Freak.
1: Yeah. He, he, he's a big um, Gearbox fan, so I'm, I'm not surprised. And it's co-op, and we know how much he loves co-op. And then Fury Ace
0: uh, makes an appearance with that. Uh, oh, go on, I'll let you.
1: Oh Well, it, I, it's the Call of Duty Ghosts drill instructor voice pack. And he's got a point in that Arlie Ermey, who's the drill instructor from uh, Full Metal Jacket, is superb as um, an actor and fits it perfectly. But Call of Duty Ghosts, come on, Stu. It was terrible. An awful game, and nobody should have ever bought DLC for it. And genuinely, if Infinity Ward are doing Call of Duty Ghost 2 for release this year, whenever we get the massive reveal, which will probably just be E3, I think I should just pack up and go home. That The first one was crap.
0: If, I, I, if I you haven't played, played it,
1: it... finished it in under four hours, and the last hour of that, I was blind drunk and still managed to get through the game. If you're not played it and you do fancy
0: it after Matt's glowing recommendation, then it is available on Amazon at the moment for PS3 for less than three quid.
1: That's too much. They should be paying you three <laughs> quid for having it.
0: <laughs> you reviewed that one, didn't you? I did, I enjoyed it. It was alright. It was um it weirdo. It it started it started to give you the tools and the bits that Advanced Warfare did better, but it did that usual card thing of of restricting you. Massively and only using them in certain portions, um, and you got to be a dog. You got to use a doggy drone, so it was all right. I quite enjoyed it, but I like cod games.
1: What are you can do? Move on to the next one, <laughs> and the hey, last so one. What is the next one? And we did have a bit of discussion about this before we started the podcast because we were trying to debate on whether he was astoundingly right or just badly wrong and i think we both erred on the side of that at vdjomb you might well be right the dlc for burnout paradise was brilliant yeah you see now i when i first read his tweet i kind of thought
0: i don't really remember any of the dlc for burnout paradise you know it didn't it didn't really stick in my memory but then i came to the game late and then i suddenly thought i came to the game late when all the dlc a lot of it was given free as well and it changed the game so dramatically that actually, I think if I'd have played it when it was first released, I'd have seen that, that step change.
1: Yeah, yeah, there was a lot that altered in that time. Um, not least the inclusion of um, bikes completely overhauling it and changing the game modes. And yeah, they did tons with it. And it was a lot of fun to play. Um, the major map update was uh, Big Surf which opened up an entirely new area, or added an entirely new area, with loads of new events and collectibles. And it was it was really good, really well supported. And it went on for a long time. It wasn't just over a couple of months, and they didn't chuck out a season pass. They just did it. And sure, a lot of it was cars, but they were cars that were worth paying for as well. But what we did say is, if a game did that now, we'd all deride it and say it was cheap, and they were just after money.
0: Yeah, that they, they, why didn't they put it all in the the original release
1: yeah but go back to 2000 um, 2007 um it was phenomenal yeah it's, I can't
0: think of another game that's been altered so dramatically by additional content
1: no no i i can't either i'm sure there's i'm sure there's ones out there and if you do know what those are drop us a line Send something to At Codec Moments and and let us know which ones we've missed.
0: Yeah. So if you want to talk about your favourite DLC, or you want to tell us we're wrong, or you want to name a game that did I don't know had more changes, was better that started out as a first person shooter and ended up as a third person puzzle adventure because of changes to the game, then um, drop us a tweet to At Codec Moments. Right? should we? Um, Shall we move on to what we really want to talk about today?
1: Yeah. Let's do it.
0: okay so we've been playing the hitman beta all all weekend
1: really haven't we we have we have long time coming um last podcast we talked about maybe not even getting hold of the beta because of the canceled pre-orders they rectified that pretty quickly um pre-orders are back on and we got to play the training sessions talk me through it then Matthew, what did you think? Brilliant. Genuinely brilliant. I've read a lot over the last few days about the beta. There's been lots of analysis everywhere. Lots of comments and lots just having a go and saying it's poor, it's um, bad graphics, bad frame rate, um, it's not a good game and all sorts of stuff. Which I'm really struggling to understand how people are seeing that or thinking that. Um, Maybe if you're not a fan of the genre, I could accept, yes, it's not your cup of tea, you wouldn't enjoy it. But if you've played the beta, you've pre-ordered it. And if it's been this last weekend, you've pre-ordered it on PS4, so you probably have a rough idea of what you're in for. And what it delivered, outside some choppy, poor optimization during loading, was an open-ended Hitman experience that takes us back to blood money. And that's what we wanted.
0: The experience experience was absolutely what I wanted was the, the ability to go in and just use that trial and error approach um, to solving a problem. And when I say solving a problem, I mean murdering someone. <laughs> um, I, I I don't know. I kind of agree that I definitely had some frame rate issues, not just on loading, but
1: when um, when things got a bit frenetic. I I didn't see anything too bad. During the time I played and I, I replayed there are there are three missions. There's um a guided mission and a yacht setting, which um it tells you exactly what to do and you don't really deviate from it. There's the same level again that allows you to experiment and has I think it's ten or twelve challenges for you to complete. And then there's a third mission in an air force base um that is like a final test mission, which is open ended, but again has lots of challenges for you to complete. I think there's So there might be twenty-five to thirty challenges in that one, Um, and I I played you know quite a lot to get through these challenges, and I didn't come across anything drastic. There was one point with some reflections in a mirror on the yacht, which duplicated up the number of effectively the number of NPCs that were in the scene. Um, But that was about it. Every other time, it was pretty smooth.
0: Well, the the issues I found was when they went off script. So In true, uh, in true trial and error hitman fashion, I had uh, one hit that went horribly wrong, and and everybody started running around screaming. And it was at that point that there was there was some really dramatic slowdown, and it it lasted quite a long time, um, ah. you know, minutes. Really, um, as they're as they're running around the, you know, the dockside, and and everybody's off doing other things, it it was quite bad.
1: I'm surprised by that. Really surprised. Maybe I, maybe I approach things in different ways. I mean, I did I did have an out and out massacre in one of them to to the point when I I entered the yacht. One of the party guests said, "It's like Colonel Kurtz's summer camp out there," <laughs> which I thought was a brilliant touch for just a random comment from an NPC. It really shows you it's, it's contextual. They know what's going on, but but it wasn't it wasn't that bad. It didn't cause any any particular um, chaos in the mechanics or the way the game ran. Well, I think it's one to watch out for when it does release. Hopefully, you know, this is an older build and they'll have had time to sort it out. I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm sure it will. I have have confidence um, because it it was just great fun to play. And I, I can live with a little bit of slowdown. It's not the be all and end all. Um, you know, a couple of minutes at a time will be a worry. But, you know, the odd frame rate stutter, I can live with that.
0: It's the kind of game as well that's quite forgivable to frame rate stutter if you're playing it properly because you 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 know it's fairly methodical you, you take your time you plan something and you execute it at the right moment so uh, you can kind of deal with a bit of slowdown
1: and that's also the point of it it's not a run and gun it's not a hyper action shooter, it is slow and methodical and considered and you are going to take your time and to a degree, does the game engine need to cope with you running through a crowd of three hundred people, double guns blasting? It, if you're playing, well, it does. It, as it does intended. with me. Well, yeah, that's just you. But <laughs> if it's doing as, it, as it's intended, you don't really need that. You do need it to manage when things go wrong and you, you know, get your way out of a, a situation. But most of the time, that isn't going to be the case. How did you find the difficulty? Or lack thereof to you know, to make the question more leading. <laughs> um, I found it a lot more forgiving than previous games, but then I also found it a little more structured. So by that I mean the logic behind the disguises was easier to read, so you could yep. use them to better effects. And that made it seem easier because particularly for the yacht level, I was able to walk just about everywhere I wanted. And interacting with the various ways of taking your target out, because you had that free reign, it made that simpler as well. It was less of a hide in stealth game and more of a puzzle to crack. Yeah,
0: that's I mean that's what I found about the um the airbase level was actually once once I'd worked out the combination of of outfits that I really needed to use to do different things. It was actually, it was really easy to get in, find a a myriad of ways to deal with the target and and get out again without really raising any suspicion whatsoever.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was quite easy. I mean, we didn't get rankings in the training sessions, but um, I'd say maybe my first playthrough on, yeah, maybe my first playthrough on both the open-ended Levels would have been very close to Silent Assassin rating in previous games.
0: Yeah, same here.
1: And yeah, they were training sessions, so they're, they are probably are a little bit more forgiving because you need to be able to get past those levels to get into the the meat of the game, which is where we're promised the big open-ended massive worlds. Well, I say worlds, massive areas um that we've been seeing in the build up.
0: It was nice again though it was a, it was a definite hark back again to blood money with the what were relatively small areas but lo- seemingly loads to do in them. I mean that I must have played that yacht level um for several hours before I even contemplated moving on to the
1: next training. Oh yeah. session. Yeah, I I went through it and made sure I completed every challenge that was there just yeah. just <laughs> because yeah, a lot of it was about experimentation and testing it and see what what you can and can't do, um, and what we might expect in the main game. And I'm expecting a lot more variety as well in the main game. But it was, it, it's good. It's good. It is back to blood money. And that's what we talked about last time. It's what we wanted. So I'm, having played it, I'm really excited. I'm really excited
0: now for Hitman. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, more so than I was before.
1: Yeah. Not, not disappointed in it at all. Um, not worried that it's going to rob me of the Hitman experience I wanted. Um, We've only got three weeks left till it comes out. Um, I am excited for it. Auto-download is set. The other thing as well, which we worked out today, which is good, you can you can carry on playing it offline. You can. The beta said it had to be online only. And it is online for the challenges. But the whole thing works offline. So if you've still got the beta installed, you can carry on playing these training levels to your heart's content until it releases on the 11th of March. Um. Which I certainly will be. (laughs) If you've not had access to the beta, um, don't pre order now because you won't get access to the beta. You'll have to wait till the main game. Um, But we did record our first full playthrough, right from the opening cutscene to the closing cutscene. Um, And we'll put them in, we'll embed the video into the website under this Codec call. Um, If you fancy watching it, or head to our YouTube channel, which is Codec Moments. And there's about, I think it runs in about 48 minutes. It takes start to finish, including all cutscenes. So it's not a lengthy training session, but it's not a five-minute "this is what the buttons do" session either. Yeah,
0: no, it was good. It was, um, it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. It was uh, a couple of couple of things missing. What? So the the whole the point shooting thing's gone, which I'm not bothered about, if I'm honest. No, I can live without that um, one. The instinct remains, but it's kind of pared back from what it was. So that's. That's good. It's it's useful for yeah. highlighting things in the environment and and spotting where your target is on the other side of the map. Yeah, I
1: I actually think the instinct um, is probably more useful than it was because it's um hold it down, put everything into slow motion, um, and just see what's around you. It definitely useful for spotting people who might see through a disguise.
0: Yeah, and the, the other thing was um when you're going through doors. So going through doors. Um, you can use it to see if there's anybody on the other side of the door and walking past. And I felt that was a I felt that was a bit cheaty, but then the one thing you can't do is you
1: can't peek through locks or keyholes anymore. No, and in fairness, I don't think they were that was massively useful all the time. That always seemed to be um a mechanic that was there to set up um you spotting a particular takedown or target kill. So I, I'm not going to miss that bit too much. Yeah. Uh, one thing, one thing that is missing: human shields. I didn't try taking one. I I don't think you can. Uh, that that's been a staple for quite a few games.
0: Yes, yeah, so that's that's a bit disappointing because that was always um, it was always a good way of moving people quickly. When you you grab them and you move them to a box that you want to dump them in quickly, far far faster than dragging
1: them. In fairness, I didn't try doing it with the subdue option because that's changed to kind of a rapid button press now, hasn't it, to um, to choke them out. I yeah. didn't see if you sort of held it down, if you could then just move them around. That might be something to try. No, you need to grab them afterwards, but it's it's the same
0: mechanic from Absolution stays when you garrot someone. So if you, um, you garrot someone, you can drag them around with the garrot after you've taken them down. Yeah, you can. Which is nice. So, hi,
1: you're listening to the codec call. <laughs> Any other thoughts? I think I've said everything, um, for the beater, anyway. That, Yeah, I enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to it. So let us
0: know your thoughts. Uh, drop us a tweet to at Codec Moments, or you can email us, or you can get onto our Facebook group. That's a nice way of getting in touch. And tell us what you thought about the um, Hitman. Are you going um, to keep your pre-order? Are you going to cancel it? Do you wish you'd had a pre-order?
1: Yeah, let us know. Whilst we're on Hitman News as well, because this was yeah. a nice little surprise yesterday... Um Hitman Go is coming to PS Vita, PS4 and Steam, and it will be coming to us on the twenty-third of February, probably twenty-fourth for the EU. Um but that came out of nowhere yesterday. I'm really happy about that because I love that game. That's a good game. It should translate really nicely to the um to the console as well. It should. Uh, um the Vita would be exceptional for it. I am wondering if the PS4 version will use the touchpad, because um obviously on the mobile version everything's touch screen swipes um to move yourself around diorama on the fixed path. Um if That'd you've n- cool. if you've no idea what we're talking about, Prof and Brian reviewed it. We will have a link on the page for this. Um but it could be an innovative use of the touchpad on the PS four. Okay, right. Well is that that's everything for Hitman? That is. I think he's wiped us out. Cool. Well. <laughs> that was <laughs> a bad pun, wasn't it?
0: right let's move on yeah choke it off oh jeez right sting okay so seeing as we're doing a mid-month podcast um we can do an update to code at momentum and i don't have to give any money away
1: (laughs) i could see you grinning from 70 miles away
0: (laughs) so um tell me matthew who's um Who's who's done what? Well, hard. I'll
1: tell you well, what we're going to do because we're mid month is we will just give shout outs to the finishers, finishers, um, yep. including our first finisher, as in pledged to platinum uh, or 100% completion of game achievements yeah. and achieved it. Um, and for the rest of you, just take this as uh, momentum for getting finished for the end of the month. So, first up, <laughs> I think, is our hardest working um, participant this month, Psalm 67. Again, he's because he's actually finished two games, Walking Dead season two and Uncharted Drake's Fortune, both of which he pledged and has finished as part of his four in February. So he's pledged two others as well. Oh, good luck there! I know, <laughs> but you know what? I think he'll do them this month. I really do. He's he's cracking on. Then we've got good. at Mike Tak Films who pledged um, to do the Dishonored definitive edition, which is well worth picking up on uh, next gen consoles, and he's done that is excellent got his way through it decided not to do the dlc don't blame him once you've done the main story on that that's kind of enough dishonored for that point in time but still excited for dishonored 2 coming later this year hopefully we've got at nick hulk who said he was going to do a couple of games but the one who's finished first is lego marvel's avengers again we've reviewed recently great game he actually did that on the vita so there's um, a reduced number of levels on the Vita which I did wonder about. Um, So I'm just working out whether we really count that or not. So he's definitely got time to do another one then. Yeah, I think he needs to do with (laughs) Disney Infinity, which he held over from last month. Okay. Anyway, well done, Nick, for getting through it on the Vita. And literally just in about an hour and 20 minutes ago was at the Jedi Junkie, who's taken part for the first time this month, said he was going to do Drive Club and said he was going to be a finisher on it as well and get the Platinum. And he has done. Excellent Well done. Hello, I'm the resident lawyer and wife to 50% of the hosts of the Codec Moments podcast. During the recording of the Codec Call episode 19 on the 16th of February, it was stated by Dr Matthew Holt that the Codec Moments team, hereafter referred to as The Idiots, have only had one completed hashtag finisher entry. This assertion was incorrect, as The Idiots had received via Twitter at least a week before Notification of completion of LEGO Jurassic World from at Fury AC3, hereafter known as the Complainant. The Idiots have prepared the following statement We would like to apologise to the Complainant for our oversight and we appreciate his continuing support of Codec Momentum. It should be noted, however, that this does not detract from Graham Coe's efforts, as Drive Club is a much harder game to 100% than LEGO Jurassic World.
0: Nice one, Graeme that's really impressive. So we've got six other people who have pledged finishers this month as well. So if uh, if you've done that good luck to you. Um give us uh, give us just a breakdown of the rules,
1: Matt, and uh, what people can win. Yeah, so we've been mentioning a finisher. Now, if you take part in Code at Momentum and you complete your game, you put forward into the hat to be drawn for a gaming voucher of your choice, whether that's PSN, Xbox Live or Steam, for £10. If you pledge finisher, which is a 100% trophy achievement or whatever other mechanism is in the game that you're doing and manage to complete it all and send us the proof, obviously, we will put you in the hat and if you're drawn, you will get double the amount. So a whole £20, that's well worth going for, especially if it's when you know you're going to platinum or get the... Uh, thousand gamers score on <laughs>
0: so if you want to take part in codec momentum then you can go to the codec momentum page at www.codecmoments.com or you can check out uh what we put on twitter which is at codec moments and visit our facebook group
1: how's that i think that's it for the mid-month podcast <laughs> lovely right okay
0: um, so don't forget to get in touch with us if you uh, if you're interested in Codec Momentum if you've got any views on Hitman yeah uh, if you want to let us know what your favorite piece of DLC of all time is or simply if you just want to you know casually send
1: us a message
0: in Morse code
1: yeah <laughs> yeah I'm I'm looking forward to reading more of those Me too Uh we'll be back in about 2 weeks with
0: any luck yeah, and we'll have the um, we'll have the draw for the Kodak Momentum winners for February. Then, uh, until then, bye, bye.